This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. Good afternoon, everybody. This is On Target on your VOCM, but I'm Ben Murphy sitting in for Linda Swain, who has been very busy on Open Line, hosting for Patty Daly all week long and a couple more days till the go. Happy to be here. And if you know me, you probably know where this conversation is already going today. Sports and all kinds of them. We're going to talk hockey, basketball, baseball, and some rugby as the Atlantic Rugby Championships are happening this weekend at the Swilers Rugby Complex. Stay tuned for more on that. But we're going to jump right to the phone lines because on the other side is Newfoundland Growlers broadcaster Chris Ballard. And when I say Growlers, I'm talking both hockey and basketball these days. Chris, good afternoon. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Ben. Thanks for uh, having me on. Feels like it's been a while. I know. Been uh, been a little too long, in my personal opinion. But uh, I do want to get to the basketball in a few minutes. But I want to start talking about some Growlers hockey because it has been a while. And it seems like after the season ended, we didn't really do a debrief and kind of hash out how the season went and that great playoff run despite coming up a little bit short. So I know this is a big job, but can you kind of recap the season for us? Because it really was a wild one from start to finish. And it's hard to believe that all this took place in the same season no you're no you're absolutely right ben so okay recap time uh started on the road against trois Riviere to start this season we welcomed them into the league had some success early everything looked great when we were hopping off the plane to head out for the home opener then obviously the whole cbs or, uh, arena situation happened and the season kind of took off from there uh falling just short of the division title in the regular season, but in a great place in the postseason to look to, I guess, uh, repeat uh, unofficially as Kelly Cup champions. And then a couple of doozy series getting out of the division to start the playoffs. Obviously, a seven-game series against our new Canadian rivals, the Trois-Rivières Lions. Uh, Growlers coming out on top there, only to go into another seven-game series against the North Division champion Reading Royals, where the Growlers set some league records in the process becoming just the eighth team in ECHL history to come back in a series from trailing three to one only to run in uh, to the eventual Kelly cup champion, uh, Florida Everblades in the Eastern conference final, a couple of injuries, maybe making it uh, a little difficult for the growlers to uh, survive that series. But uh, in a nutshell, I mean, that was the season, but uh, that doesn't uh, really, I guess, paint a fair picture of some of the great, um, I guess, breakout performers and performances we've seen this year from Tyler Bull and, uh, you know, Outer Cove native. Uh, another fantastic year for Zach O'Brien, who took in his first Growlers basketball game last night at the Fieldhouse. Um, you know, and then we had the, the Orenson Tazos, the Keith Petrozellis. You know, we, we saw some, you know, new guys really become household names. Todd Skirving scored 20 goals this year. Uh, I mean, really, I, I could get into the weeds about this all day, but really a season that, you know, hockey fans uh, in this province have lots to be proud of. Yeah, and I was going to ask you of who kind of surprised you most on the team this year play-wise and jumped out, and I had a few guys lifted off, listed off there as well, and you just nailed basically 
All of them. The only other one that I would maybe add in, and I'm sorry if you did say it and I missed it, but Ben Finkelstein. He was just an incredible right. treat on the blue line for the Growlers, even though he was a defenseman. He easily could have been a forward and a top-line forward on just about any team in the league because he is so talented at both ends of the ice. But for you, is there one guy you can pick in that group who really jumped out to you? I don't know. Maybe it's because tough. I have a soft spot for him, like, every hockey fan in this province but <laughs> seeing, seeing Todd Skirving get 20 goals this year really was a treat I mean he was a guy who was in and out of the lineup really brought in more to just be a glue guy uh, and a maybe a bottom six kind of guy but he he turned that narrative around thanks to a lot of confidence from our coaching staff and Eric Wellwood and Nate McKeever and uh, you know seeing him hit 20 and ultimately 21 and uh, just the way that he did it uh, in addition to just being a great teammate and a wonderful ambassador for our team and our province I mean Hard not to feel good about a guy who has really blossomed the way that Todd Skirving did this year. Yeah, it was quite incredible to watch and just see him. And on any given night, he was right around the net. And if he didn't score, he had two or three good chances to bury them that he would he himself would have been shaking his fist, shaking his head at after. Because, you know, you could have looked and, man, he could have even had 30. And maybe next year he might tuck 30 on the way he finished off the season. I do just want to go back to the conference finals really quickly, though, Chris, because you did mention some injuries. And I wanted to ask, they did of course losing the conference final to the eventual Kelly Cup champion Florida Everblades what did that series really come down to in your eyes up in the booth was it more Florida just being you know a little too overpowered or did the Growlers run out of steam a bit dealing with some of those injuries and whatnot I, I mean, it's, it's got to be a combination of everything. Going back-to-back seven-game series to start, even if everyone were healthy, that would have been a challenge against a tough team like Florida. They were a veteran team. They were big. They were they were built to win the Kelly Cup, and they had a great year themselves. Nothing to take away from the Everblades. But I, mean, I don't even know how much of this ended up getting out into the, the public ether, but the, the extent to which the Growlers were banged up at the end of the season really goes to show just how good this team was. Zach O'Brien played the last, I don't know how exactly the amount of time frame, but he had a broken hand throughout the duration yep. of the playoffs, like an actual fracture. Uh, ben Finkelstein in the last game uh, broke broke his foot. Uh, you know, guys were playing with any number of shoulder and, and, and you know, ankle or injuries all over the place. So uh, I, that they were good. The Growlers ran out of steam maybe a little bit after a really good year, still with probably the youngest team in the ECHL. And uh, the way that the Toronto Marlies have already started re-signing players, yeah. uh, they signed Orenson Tazzo and, uh, and Mark Johnstone. And there's going to be a few guys back around. They still have uh, Brennan Kapchak and a handful of others. So already there's, I think, going to be a really good core that's uh, going to give fans lots of reasons to get excited for the upcoming season. Yeah, I didn't miss many games this season, and it still blows me away just how young this team is because when you watch them, they really do carry themselves with such a veteran presence out on on the ice when things start to get a little chaotic and things get a bit wild the game sometimes gets out of control it seems like the growlers could always kind of find that level head and find their way through and it seems like it's a team full of veterans this season had so many memorable moments chris and one we almost forgot about dan cadigan of outer cove he drew yeah. into the lineup there what a couple of weekends making his debut in pro, pro hockey he's flipped right in looked really really good it really was a great season and i'm already excited for next season we're going to take a quick break here on on target when we come back growlers broadcaster chris ballard he's going to stay on the line with us and we're going to chat growlers basketball right after these join us for on target one hour in which linda swain examines topics that mean the most to you on target weekday afternoons at one on your vocm 
Welcome back to the show. This is On Target. Ben Murphy sitting in for Linda Swain on the program today. We were just talking Growlers hockey with Newfoundland Growlers broadcaster Chris Ballard. Now we're going to talk the new hottest game in town, Growlers basketball. Chris, you have had a hand on the call for these basketball games now. How's it all going on a personal level so far with this new role? Kind of a new sport, too, getting in the mix. Yeah, you know, I've only done the one game so far. I mean, that uh, the, the play-by-play gig has been done by uh, Steve Power, and he's done a great job. But, yeah, I've got my feet wet with a little basketball. And, and honestly, it, it's just been a lot of fun, not just for myself, but really every one of us involved with the organization and the fans who have had a chance to come down to the Munfield House and, and take in this this new uh, brand of, uh, of Growler's uh, sport here. I mean, what, what a summer it's been so far. We've seen some unbelievable performances. It's been a great atmosphere down there the fan support's been great and uh what a way to spend this summer you know getting to watch some high quality basketball and in, in one of the best uh you know emerging sports leagues uh, in canada i mean wh- what a treat what a what a pleasure it's been to, to be involved at this level yeah and the talent level really seems quite great and it seems like people who i've talked to who go to the games and have been there so far always are coming away with the same type of thing and saying like, wow, I'm, I'm really blown away by just how good the ball is. Oh, you're absolutely right. And fans don't know. I mean, I know it's a, it's a new league, but there's guys in on our team, even on the growlers who have played in the NBA. I mean, uh, notably Brandon Sampson, he's the leading scorer in the league at this point in time. I mean, he played some time with the Chicago bulls. There's guys who have played, you know, national league uh, played for team Canada, some, some really recognizable names on the national scale and, uh, and getting to play coast to coast. Even yesterday, uh, you know, the team, uh, the growlers played the Fraser Valley bandits and what ended up being the furthest destination or furthest distance traveled between two teams in all North American sports, about wow. 5,000 kilometers from Langley, British Columbia, uh, to the Memorial University Fieldhouse. I did lots of great stories, lots of great personalities, lots of new players falling in love with our province. It's, uh, it's so cool to, to see this and, and to be able to bring high-quality pro basketball uh, to St. John's and, and to the Fieldhouse. I mean, what, what, a, what a treat this has been this summer. And have you had much of a chance to chat with Coach Patrick Ewing Jr. and get kind of his thoughts on it so far? I spoke to him before the season. He was loving the province, but have you chatted with him recently? Uh, a little bit, yeah, and he's he's really enjoying uh, his time here in the province, and he's got his his families here, and, and his kids running around, and, and you know, on the track in the field house, and it's it's really everyone really seems to be embracing and, and this new adventure, I guess, for them because a lot of these guys are Americans; they've played around the world. Uh, there's a couple of Europeans, one of our newer players. Uh, uh, Graham Bell, he's from London, England, uh, you know, so all of these guys, I think it's a bit of an adventure for them to, you know, be stuck on this island in the middle of the North Atlantic, uh, you know, to play some professional high-level basketball for a summer. They're really embracing that, and uh, they're seeing uh, really everything that this place has to offer. They're really enjoying themselves. And, Chris, just one final plug. What can fans expect when they show up to a game at the Fieldhouse in, in your eyes? Honestly, it, a lot of fun. You know, they our, our game operations crew has really cultivated a wonderful atmosphere down there. The basketball is good. The atmosphere is good. Uh, you know, the venue has been wonderful. Big thank you to Memorial University for being wonderful partners uh, in this venture. Like, really, there's there's no reason not to come and check it out. You know, it's it's fun to, to check out new things here in the city, and uh, especially as the city is really coming alive here uh, in the summertime. 
mean, what better way to end off, you know, a, a nice long day, a nice hot day maybe, and, and sit down and enjoy, a, you know, a professional basketball game right in our own backyard that's just a, a step away from the NBA. I mean, what's not to love? Newfoundland Growlers broadcaster Chris Ballard, thank you for joining me here on On Target this afternoon, talking Growlers basketball and talking Growlers hockey. Much appreciated. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Ben. We'll see you soon. Sounds good. Looking forward to it and catching you at the Munfield House. That was Newfoundland Growlers broadcaster Chris Ballard. We still have lots more to come for you here on On Target. When we come back, we're talking baseball after these. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show. Midnight on your VOCM. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to On Target on your VOCM. I'm Ben Murphy sitting in for Linda Swain, who, as we know, has been busy on open line all week long. We're going to continue talking sports, but now we're going to switch gears and talk baseball. Kristen Coley is executive director of the St. John's Minor Baseball Association. She's also on the board with Baseball Newfoundland and Labrador and chair of Women in Baseball NL. She's our next guest here on On Target. Kristen, good afternoon. Hi, Ben. Thanks so much for having me on today. And thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to chat, as always. And so I guess first off, we'll jump right in and just ask, how's the minor baseball season going so far? Every time I drive by St. Pat's, it's it's full of kids, it's lined with cars, and it seems like there's just a great atmosphere. Awesome. Yeah, we actually are working really hard this year to kind of bring back that ballpark feel um, after COVID. Obviously, um, you know, for a couple of years now, we've been working really hard to limit group sizes. And now this year where we don't really have to uh, worry about that so much, we're trying really hard to bring back that atmosphere of like a fun day at the ballpark. So uh, we, we're having great season so far. Numbers are up. Uh, we're up over a thousand registrants in uh, St. John's wow. area. Yeah, which is great. It's the uh, first time since the last time the Blue Jays won the World Series, so I'm hoping wow. there's like a little connection there. <laughs> Might be a good thing for the Blue Jays in 2022, but we'll see how it goes. Let's hope so, because so, uh, they've been struggling a little bit so far, so let's hope. I'm going to have my fingers crossed and count on that one. Yes, definitely. Me too. So, so far, so good. It's been, uh, you know, some challenges coming back after COVID with um some new interesting uh i guess things that we didn't anticipate like global shipping times are a huge issue um and getting some of those resources that we're used to getting pretty quickly but uh, other than that it's been a good return post-covid for us for sure yeah it certainly does just from the outside looking in look like fun days happening down at the ball fields how nice is it to be back playing without these restrictions and, and things so more so back to normal it, it's definitely been a great uh season in the sense that we can really focus on baseball and not so much uh, restrictions and making sure that um, you know everyone is safe obviously we work really hard to you know ensure safety in terms of sports and that sort of thing but to have I guess another thing off our plate really allows us to focus on um, you know grassroots and the things that we're trying to get back to so that's been a definite uh, benefit of this season so far for sure. Kristen how difficult were these past couple of summers leading up to this one? They've definitely been difficult, uh, you know, just pivoting and doing things differently, um, you know, in terms of costs, in terms of, um, you know, thinking about things in a whole different light. That has definitely been a struggle. Uh, we've been really lucky that we have a great group of volunteers. We have a great membership who have been really supportive during some of the tougher times. But it's definitely been really nice to be able to focus on what our ma- mandate is uh, for our association. So that's been a great uh, help this season for sure. What exactly is the mandate for the association? 
So for us, our mandate is to provide programming for players age 5 to 18 and we also work very closely with St. John's Amateur Baseball who are more responsible for our junior and senior age players so we actually share the facility at St. Pat's um, so that's why when you drive past on a normal night it is full tilt because there's basically players from 5 all the way up to 65 in the same area so it's pretty cool to be able to share that facility. Awesome and speaking of players from 5 up to 65 it's also the 75th anniversary of St. John's Minor Baseball correct? Yes, so in in conjunction with Baseball Newfoundland, it is our 75th season. Uh, So we are uh, hosting some events throughout the season. Um, We do have a 75th anniversary logo, um, and we are going to highlight some of our past members and Hall of Fame members and that sort of thing throughout the season this year, for sure. Are you able to give us a little sneak peek into some of those people, (laughs) or is it staying under wraps? Uh, it's a little bit on the rest so far, but uh, we are hosting, um, in conjunction with Baseball Newfoundland, we are doing a baseball day in Newfoundland on August 6th, which ties in with the Senior A Finals, which will be hosted at St. Pat's Ballpark. So we will have like a big uh, pregame ceremony and that sort of thing um, where we will have some of those members out on the field. So we definitely will have a couple events. Uh, we've also introduced... Uh, with Baseball Newfoundland, a new mascot um, that we're currently doing a naming contest for, sort of like a legacy project for the 75th anniversary. So there's a lot of things like that that we're trying to bring back post-COVID and really focus on getting back to those grassroots uh, <sighs> events, which is great. I saw that naming contest for the mascot, <laughs> and I've been dying to know, how is that all going to work? Uh, so far, we're getting a ton of interest. So I think we have like 50 um, submissions so far, and we only wow. introduced it yesterday afternoon. So it's been pretty crazy. Uh, lots of great ideas. Um, some things that I never would have come up with that I think definitely have uh, some strong contenders there. So um, we're hoping now for the Senior B Provincials that we're hosting on July 15th, which is also tied in with our big uh, tournament, the Mike Buse Classic, on the same day. We're going to help uh, unveil the mascot's new name on July 15th. So we still have about a week's time to get in any submissions if anyone was interested. Amazing. Busy, busy times for baseball here in Newfoundland and Labrador. We're speaking with Kristen Coley, the executive director of St. John's Minor Baseball, also on the board of Baseball Newfoundland and Labrador and chair of Women in Baseball Newfoundland and Labrador. And Kristen, you mentioned early on how the game is certainly growing. Registration numbers up over a thousand for the first time in years, going back to when the Jays won the World Series. So is it more kids getting involved at the younger ages? Is it people of all ages? What do you think is kind of leading to this growth? Yeah, it's a great question. Something that we try really hard to figure out, like, you know, what is our target group? Like, who are we attracting ourselves to? I think there's a couple of different things that we're seeing. We do obviously see a lot of growth at the the younger ages. Um, Baseball Canada has actually introduced, um, I guess, a new program, say, for five to seven-year-olds. It's called the Rally Cap Program. And the Jays are very tied into that program. They've actually put all of their funding from Baseball Canada through this program. Um, And it's supposed to, uh, I guess, attract more younger players to playing baseball, kind of get them moving more. It's not supposed to be the same, you know, T-ball experience that most of us had when we were younger where everyone's just running around making sandcastles. (laughs) It's kind of supposed to be a little bit more like uh, movement and engagement and that sort of thing. So we've had really great um, success with that program. So I think that's been very helpful. 
And another big push that we have, um, which has certainly increased our registration numbers, would be our female program. So even, say, 2016, we probably had less than, oh, my gosh, probably less than 50 girls playing. And right now, this year, we're sitting about 250 girls. So it's been a huge uh, increase in a short amount of time, which definitely has pushed our registration numbers up. Were you surprised to see those numbers increase this year, or was it, were you kind of expecting it? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Um, I know we're always hoping when we're planning in the off season, we're always hoping uh, for an increase in registration. Um, you know, we do do programming all year in terms of uh, indoor training and that sort of thing. And we had, we did get a lot of feedback and a lot of interest in people wanting to register. So we were hoping that it was going to continue the upward trajectory that we saw even through COVID. We actually uh, had a, a good registration. So um, it's definitely just been a lot of positive feedback. So we're not shocked, but we'd like to obviously continue that trend and, you know, listen to our membership and try to adjust to make our program what everyone would want it to be. And I'm glad you mentioned the growth in the number of girls playing baseball as well. You are the chair of Women in Baseball NL. What kind of work do you do with Women in Baseball NL? So uh, baseball for females in the provinces is, is kind of interesting because unlike a lot of other sports where we have a lot of women who you know played that sport when they were younger and they want to give back when they're older, we don't have a lot of adult women in the province that played baseball growing up. Um, so there's not a, as many, I guess, people pushing it based on past experience. You know, they have that experience to coach. They have that experience to be an um, administrator because they just weren't really involved. So part of our role as Women in Baseball in L is that we're trying to push people to feel um, empowered, that they have skills that they can bring to the table and that are valuable and can help um, not just girls playing baseball in the province, but everyone playing baseball in the province. So we do a lot of um, – clinics opportunities like this year we did a free coaching clinic for women no experience was necessary you could just come it was virtual unfortunately but uh <laughs> but you could come and just learn and talk to people that were in a similar position so we had really great feedback on that and we've been seeing that through some of these initiatives that we have um, we're seeing a, lot, a bigger increase in female administrators volunteers coaches um, hopefully more on the official side that's kind of our next push uh, but we do find that that representation at the higher levels really helps with the trickle-down effect of girls, you know, being able to take their mom to the ballpark and the two of them go on and she's coaching and, and they're playing in an all-female environment. And we found that that's been a big driver of registration numbers for sure. Yeah, and speaking of the all-female environment, I know one of the last times or one of the many times we've spoken, you, you talked about the all-girls league and just the growth that that's seen in the last few years. So can you kind of just walk us back and, and how that started off as just, I believe it was a four-team league and now it's kind of blown up. Yeah, so back in 2018, we were kind of teetering around, you know, we had a couple all-female teams playing in boys' divisions in St. John's, and it kind of got to the point that we just had so much interest, we were like, we, we think we can do it. Like, we think we can make the jump, and we can have an all-female league. So the first year we had it um, was 2018, so we had four teams, and there was about a five-year age gap. So definitely some growing pains, challenges, um, but through a lot of work uh, regionally. So Paradise is a very strong supporter of um, 
girls playing baseball. They have a lot of girls playing out there. Mount Pearl is starting to come on a lot too. Um, so now in 2022, we've actually grown to a league that has 20 teams spread over three divisions. So we have uh, 12U, 14U, and 17U divisions. So that's been really positive that even through COVID, it's been huge jumps and increases. And we've probably never had as many kids interested in playing as we did this year. So there's been a lot of positive feedback on that. So we really uh, appreciate our regional sponsors and supporters there as well. Awesome. That is always so, so great to hear. And Kristen, I'll just give you a chance here now to plug any tournaments or events that are coming up here in the province baseball-wise in the next few weeks. Yeah, so we we have a lot on the go in July Sounds and August. Like it, yeah. yeah, it's a busy season, but uh, our first big event in St. John's, we had the Mike Buse Classic, which is named after our past executive director, Mike, who passed away in 2019. Um, so that'll have teams coming from all over the province. Um, we also have two very large events in Newfoundland this year. So we're hosting the 21U Women's Nationals on August 10th to 14th at St. Pat's. So we'll have the best 21U female players across the pro- or country sorry, coming. Uh, to play so that's really exciting we haven't been to that event as a province since 2014 so that's going to be a huge jump and then we're also hosting the 13U Atlantic Nationals in September down at Little St. Pat's uh, which is kind of like a little league world series vibe so we have that kind of age group yeah (laughs) yeah and then we have the like eight teams coming from um, across Atlantic Canada so that should be pretty exciting as well Busy, busy times for baseball here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Kristen Coley, Executive Director of the St. John's Minor Baseball Association on the board with Baseball Newfoundland and Labrador and Chair of Women in Baseball NL. Thank you for joining me here on On Target and uh, and good luck with the rest of the summer. I hope I can get you again in some downtime for another chat on how it all went. Thanks and really appreciate it. All right, we're going to take another break here on On Target. When we come back, we're continuing the conversation around sports, switching gears one more time. We're talking rugby on On Target after these. Take a break. Join us weekdays from 1230 to 1 p.m. as we discuss anything and everything that's happening now. It's all on the table during your VOCM lunch break. Welcome back to On Target. Ben Murphy here sitting in for Linda Swain today. So far, we've talked hockey, basketball, baseball, and now finally, rugby. Liam Warren is the communications director with the Newfoundland and Labrador Rugby Union. He joins me now on On Target. Liam, good afternoon and thanks for joining me. Thanks, Ben, for having us. Happy to join you. So let's start off with the most pressing issue. No, I won't call it an issue, but the most pressing thing at hand here. The Atlantic Rugby Championships are happening this weekend at Swiler's Rugby Football Complex. So I guess first off, Liam, just walk us through the tournament. What will be happening? Yeah, so basically, Ben, uh, this is an annual tournament that it took a hiatus during COVID, but it was brought back last year um, in St. John, New Brunswick. Uh, Basically, it's a tournament involving the top junior rugby players of all the Atlantic provinces of Canada. So we have Newfoundland Labrador there. We have New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and Prince Edward Island. So basically what will happen through Friday through Sunday, as you mentioned, at Swallows Rugby Complex, there will be 73 games of uh, very high-quality rugby across six different age divisions. So we have divisions of under 15, under 17, under 19, and we have it in men's and women's. So we're really looking forward to it. There's actually 150 of our own players going to be there representing the Newfoundland Labrador Rock. Uh, but in total, there will actually be over 600 athletes uh, from across the Atlantic region. So it's going to be a big weekend of rugby at the complex. And we really want to get everyone out to cheer on our Newfoundland Labrador Rock and get to know the sport a bit more. 
So, Liam, before we get into uh, to some of the teams that will be competing in that tournament, how exciting is it just to be able to host this tournament, have those 600 athletes come together at Swilers for an event like this? Oh, it's super exciting. The last time we held it was in 2017, and at that point in time, it was a bit of a different kind of tournament with different players. Um, but, no, it's very exciting, especially uh, to tie it in with come home year. There's a lot of hurt. I've heard from a lot of people, probably expats you call them, uh, that have moved away to the Atlantic provinces from Newfoundland and Labrador, and I've heard that they're really looking forward to coming home, tying it in with come home year, bringing the family home back to where they came from, and to watch some rugby. It's, it's really exciting. And you've been highlighting some of the teams competing online these last couple of days. Can you highlight some of these teams here for us? Yeah, so we're very excited to have teams in all six divisions. Um, this is actually the first year that we've had an under two. We have two under-15 men's teams and one under-15 women's team, and that's really big for the sport. That's really a younger age group that we're getting players into this high-quality rugby at an earlier age, which means when they get up to the higher levels, under-17, under-19, even senior, that they'll have this great experience coming through the program and that's going to be really exciting to watch those young players get their first crack at this kind of competition. And in addition to that, we also have the under-17 men's team, under-19 men's team, which are both defending Atlantic champions from last year. They won it in St. John, New Brunswick. Um, we have our under-17 women's team, under-19 women's team. A lot of those players are playing across from the sevens game as well, which they're training towards. Canada games later this summer so it's really exciting to see those come together and it's really last year I was up in St. John uh, for the tournament and the women's team you can see a great progression throughout the tournament so I'm really looking forward to see that this year and they came so close last year and I'm really looking forward to this year to see how they make out. So will these games be live streamed for those who can't make it to the uh, two Swilers? Yep, so they will be live-streamed. Uh, the best way to get any information about the tournament, so where it is, game schedule, standings, is nlrugby.ca slash ARC. And the live stream is all in there as well. So that's your one-stop shop for everything. Any players to watch fans should maybe keep an eye on? Um, we have, there's, oh, well, actually one player that's actually away right now at a Canada Under-20 camp um, returning today is Jimmy Clark, and he's come up through the program, and his brother Campbell is a well-known one as well with under-19 Atlantic Rock a few years ago. Um, but, no, Jimmy Clark, and there's a lot of young uh, players coming up, and Rod Snow, another legend of the sport, has his son playing in the under-19 under team and also in the under-15 team. He has two sons. Um, and I don't really want – and there's so many different young people I was just about to say, so, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> those are some of the names that just come off the top of my head, and – Hey, I got my own two brothers playing as well, so it's going to be exciting. It's a family affair. Rugby alive and well here in Newfoundland and Labrador. I'm glad you brought up Jimmy Clark, though, and that uh, that under-20 Canada East team. Uh, J.S. Cook, also there from this province. They just wrapped up participating in the under-20 Canada East camp in Guelph. Uh, just wrapped up yesterday. So do you have any idea how that all went for the boys? Um, I haven't heard much. I, I saw that they were playing the Toronto Arrows Senior Academy, which is a big deal. Um, that's a part of the Toronto Arrows MLR team, the professional team. Um, I think I saw on Twitter this morning that they were up at halftime. I didn't see the final score, but that's a great experience for both of those uh, fine young players. And they'll bring that experience back and apply it to club levels with Swilers. 
and also apply it to their provincial team. And it, both of them have a bright future. And on that note, too, this camp, uh, not this tournament, sorry, the Atlantic tournament is another great identification opportunity for our players and also those in the region to be identified by Rugby Canada. So that's another thing, I guess, that some players might have in the back of their mind that they could be identified to go to these camps, which is a great opportunity. Just another layer of excitement. Liam Warren, the communications director with the Newfoundland and Labrador Rugby Union, joining us here on On Target this afternoon. Liam, I just want to go for a little more general now about rugby. Just how's the season going as a whole so far? Yeah, so in terms of here locally, uh, we kicked off actually a few weeks ago. Um, We're happy to have, I think with over six divisions, I believe, we have divisions under 19 women. We have a junior men's division. We have two senior uh, men's division. We have a senior women's division. Um, and all the games are going well so far. Um, this week's a bit of a lull week because everyone's involved in Atlantic. Um, but, yeah, any time for any results or any fixtures, if you want to get out to a rugby game, your best spot to go is to just nlrugby.ca, and it's all there. And we encourage people to get out and And on that website as well, you can get in contact with clubs because we have rookie rugby programs that are ongoing as well. So there's lots of opportunities for people to get involved. And if you don't want to play, you can also come out for the social aspect of watching it in that. So, yeah, it's going great so far this season. This is kind of like, I guess, the first season coming out of the pandemic as everything's full steam ahead. Yeah, and on that note, how difficult were these last two couple of, I guess you can call them COVID summers, trying to play rugby? Because, you know, you think about some other sports during this COVID time, and it's a little bit easier to get out and play and practice, whether you play golf or maybe, you know, it could be a different sport where you can spread out a little bit more. Rugby, you don't quite have that luxury as it's such an intense contact sport. So just how difficult was it over the last few years? Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, Basically, it started out, it took a lot of work from the Newfoundland Labrador Rugby Union Board and also the, the various clubs, so the Swallers, Dogs, and Bayman. It was really a collaborative effort amongst everyone to get our return to play plan in. And at first, we just started off non-contact. You had to keep just distancing. There's social distancing. There's hand sanitizing. There's all these different checks. So it added a level of complexity to for our clubs in order to do these events uh, in practices. And then we had to build up to a point where we could do games. So, But by then, it was a reduced season with reduced games. People were hesitant at times, but we we made the best of it. And I, I think rugby weathered it and we're coming out stronger on the other side. So I'm really proud of that from a uh, perspective of the union and also the entire province, how we came out of it. Yeah, are registration numbers up this year or growing? Um, I, don't have the, I don't have the numbers on me right now. Um, but I, what I'm hearing from across all clubs, uh, the rookie rugby programs, which is what we – focus a lot of our effort on is going really strong. We have a strong one at Swallows with over 80 athletes. I know the Bay actually in CBS Paradise, they've actually expanded their program to include Paradise. So they actually run two different offerings before it was just one in Kellegrews. So that's really uh, good to see for the sport as well. Um, I heard the dogs are having a strong rookie rugby year as well. And they actually had some games this past Sunday. So they're doing a bit of a few jamborees throughout. Um, at the senior level, we have the women's team, the senior rock women's team that we re- that was reformed over the winter. So that's kind of spearheaded a lot of teams getting involved at the senior women's side, which is great. Uh, Swallows is able to field the team this year, which is awesome. Um, under 19 women's, we have good numbers because Roxanne Butler, who we actually named under 19 women's division after the Butler Cup this year, 
Um, she does phenomenal work, and we have phenomenal people involved there. So the numbers are good. Uh, I'd say, from what I'm seeing, because I play with squads too, I say, I, I say numbers are, if not the same levels before the pandemic, a little bit higher in the seniors level. So which is good to see and. Hopefully, we'll continue to grow it over the next few years. Yeah, it must be encouraging to see all those rookie rugby programs getting lots of interest and lots of bodies. Yeah, and one per, one team I want to highlight, too, is we've had traditionally four clubs uh, in the province. We've had the Swallers, the Dogs, the uh, Bayman, and the Vandals. And the Vandals, um, they are not competing right now at the senior level just because of numbers, but they have a strong rookie rugby program. They have probably they have a really good coach in Mike Doyle, um, and they're getting good numbers out continuously, which will be good to see in a couple years. It'll pay off when those kids grow and grow and grow into these under-15 teams, under-17, under-19. So it's good to see that the Vandals are kind of rebuilding through the rookie rugby program there. Absolutely. And Liam, I do just want to go back to the Swilers rugby complex as a whole. It got Quite a few upgrades. The pitch got redone. How is everything looking up there now? It must be uh, pretty exciting and, and a good atmosphere over around the uh, Swallows oh, Complex. Yeah, it's a great atmosphere. The club, and you were up there as well for the Canada game last year uh, against the U.S. That was a that was a great game. What, was a, what one a game, of the, what a day. One, one, of, one of my best days being a club member up there. Um, unfortunately, Canada couldn't pull it off after throughout the whole qualification process, but they'll just come hopefully back next qualification process for another game with us, and we'll give it be our good their good luck charm. And Liam, finally, just one more plug for if people can't make it to Swilers this weekend to check out the Atlantic Rugby Championships, how can they watch the stream, get involved, get all the stats, the schedule, the whole nine yards? Uh, get all that at nlrugby.ca/arc. You have your fixtures results there, standings, and live stream. Liam Warren, Communications Director with the Newfoundland and Labrador Rugby Union. Thank you for joining me here on On Target. Thanks, Ben. Well, there you have it. Just like that, my time is just about up here on On Target. A big thank you to Newfoundland Growlers broadcaster Chris Ballard, Kristen Coley of Baseball Newfoundland and Labrador, and of course, Liam Warren of the Newfoundland and Labrador Rugby Union for joining us and making this such a fun and interesting sports hour here on your VOCM. Jerry Lynn Mackey will be here tomorrow afternoon sitting in for Linda Swain, who is still busy hosting Open Line from 9 until noon. Make sure you give Linda a call tomorrow morning. I'm your host, Ben Murphy, here on On Target. Have a safe and happy day.